When you got into the creator industry, you probably thought things would be really different, right? You thought it would be sunshine and rainbows as you share all of your creativity with thousands of people who are just dying to see it, right? You probably didn't think about how hard it would be to learn the logistics of running an actual business as a creator. Content strategies, best times to post, low competition hashtags. I mean, these things weren't things that you were considering when you got into this industry, I'm sure. Or the imposter syndrome. Who would have thought that there was literally a name for the way that you feel when you're creating every single day for a living and you sometimes wonder if anyone even cares? And who would have thought that it would happen to you? And so frequently, too. I can't imagine that you were thinking about how you'd feel when your engagement rate felt too low or that you weren't getting followers fast enough. And don't get me started on the struggle of constantly having to put your best foot forward and make good impressions on potential brand partners. And the rejection. You get the idea. The list of things that we go through as creators is long as fuck. And a lot of these struggles are things that our friends in other industries just don't understand mentally or logistically. I'm Kristen Busquet, and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in over $300,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial influencer, to turn your online influence into a profitable, self-sustaining business. This week, we're here with Jordan Rush of Your Pal Jordan, who is a lifestyle, fashion, and travel content creator focusing on incorporating a bold, vibrant element into the lives of everyone in her audience. With a background in both sales and marketing, Jordan has been able to take her social media career full-time in just two short years. Today, we're sharing our experiences of going through the struggles that each and every single creator listening right now goes through, no matter how long you've been at this or how many followers you have. What do you do when everyone around you is growing faster than you? Will brands still take you on even when your engagement rate is low? How do you deal with imposter syndrome as it sneaks into your life more than you would like it to? Why won't brands pay you your rates or anything at all? We're giving you the scoop on how to deal with these struggles and more today. This, my biz BFFs, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 27 of Social Scoop. I'm Kristen, and I'm so freaking excited that you're here. Imagine what it would be like to be surrounded by 300 plus creators in a safe space where you can ask questions, network, and be a resource to your peers just as they will be for you. You don't actually have to imagine it though because it exists and it is our Facebook community. So if you haven't already, tap the link down in the description so that you can become a part of our free Facebook community where you can join your peers in creating transparency and a wealth of knowledge in our freaking crazy industry. (laughs) We actually don't have a ton of news today, but I wanted to give you the top few things that I think are important for you to know in our world of social media. So first, we have Instagram. They are officially testing 90-second reels. I actually just had a conversation with someone the other day who was like, man, I wish they had three-minute three, uh, three minute reels. And I was like, well, <laughs> there's 90 second coming soon. So, I mean, we're getting closer to this whole three-minute reels. So, it looks like when you go to record a reel, it will show you the option for 15, 30, 60, or 90 seconds. You'll be able to click any of those and record for that period of time. So, 
I mean, if you like recording longer form video, obviously I think this will be really great. So that will be coming hopefully soon. They're officially testing it, but I'm sure because of TikTok going up and up with the duration of the time, this is going to come from Instagram. Also, TikTok now has a new feature that is rolling out. We're not sure if it's officially coming for everyone or if it's still in like this testing phase. TikTok actually hasn't released any specifics on what kind of phase they're in with this, but I've heard from quite a few people that they have this. So my assumption is that a lot of people are starting to get it. Whether it stays is, you know, something we'll have to find out with time. But Basically, you will be able to see who has viewed your TikTok profile. So this is not a setting that's for everyone. I'll tell you that right up front. On their support page, it says that the feature is only available to users who are above the age of 16 and who have 5,000 or less followers. So if you have more than 5,000 followers, you're not even going to get this. I'm not sure exactly why that is. I don't know how they picked the number. But essentially, if you do right now have less than 5,000 followers, you can actually go see if you have this feature. When you're on your TikTok, you go to your profile. Up in that top right-hand corner, you hit the little, like, I guess it's called the hamburger menu with the three little lines. I just learned that recently, and I was like, why have I never known this? (laughs) The hamburger menu, though. Then from there, you go to settings and privacy. Then in privacy, you'll see profile views and you can toggle that on or off. It is set to off as a default, but once it's on, you'll see basically a little eye up in the corner of your profile that you can click on to see who has viewed your profile. I don't know if knowing who has viewed my profile is something I necessarily would want to see. However, someone in my coaching group actually did bring up a great point is that If you do have this feature, you can use it to see who's looking at your profile and maybe start interacting with those people. So I actually love it from that perspective. So if you do have fewer than 5,000 followers, I suggest using it strictly for that purpose. Don't get caught up on looking through it like we all look through our Instagram stories to see who views them. I think this could be actually a really interesting use when it comes to actual business. So I also wanted to ask you, What are you doing Tuesday, May 10th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time? Because if it's nothing, (laughs) I have something that you're going to do now. Join me and my incredible spiritual BFF, Sonia Singh, who you guys probably already follow. If you don't, you have to go find her. She is one of my best friends in Instagram and outside of Instagram. And basically, the two of us are going to be speaking with the team at Descript, uh, which is a podcast editing platform. But we're going to be talking all about how to build community around your content. So if you're a creator who is basically looking to understand how to create a more loyal, engaged community on your social media platforms, this is something we're going to be talking about in this little seminar. So I'm really excited. It's free to register. The link to register is going to be in the description below for you. So feel free to join us at that event. And I hope to see you there. Without further ado, let's get into this episode with Jordan though, because you guys better get a pen and paper out. Maybe one of my favorite podcast episodes ever. We're going to give it to you straight. So let's get into it. All right, guys, I'm so excited to be here with Jordan today. We are going to be talking about all the things that creators go through and how to get through them because I know there are so many struggles that every creator is going through. And I thought Jordan would be the perfect person to have on to kind of talk about this with me. So Jordan, thank you so much for being here. 
Yeah. Hey, Kristen, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Yeah, same. So start off by telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and kind of how you got started as a creator. Yeah. So um, if we have not met yet, my name is Jordan Rush. I am a full-time lifestyle and fashion content creator based out of Houston, Texas, where most of my content focuses on adding a vibrant or bold touch to what you're doing. Um, I actually got started back in the content world back in 2014, where it really wasn't as big as it Mm -hmm. is now. Um, But I started doing YouTube and I would do weekly YouTube videos um, under the account called The Tiny Encourager. That's like 22. That's so cute. I know. (laughs) I never knew that. Yeah, that's like young 22-year-old me just like dreaming of the world. Um, I love it. Yeah, so you can probably find some videos back on YouTube from there. But um, I actually thought my dream job was to work in medical sales, and I landed my dream job. Um, So I was super excited. I put the content creation thing on hold, kind of ignored it because that Mm -hmm. job took so much of my time and energy. Um, Fast forward about five years later, I wouldn't say five, probably like three to four years later, I'm at a job. I am super burnt out. I realize I don't like selling stuff that <laughs> I just am not interested in. And I'm realizing I'm working really hard for a job that one, the people at this company have proven that they just don't care about me. Yep. And I'm working hard to make a guy who doesn't even know my name even richer. Um, I should, you know, I wonder what I could do if I could take that amount of energy and pour it into something that I'm actually passionate about and right. that could make an impact. Um, I won't go and like bore you guys into like the huge details. But, um, I remember there was one day my company was purchased and I was two hours outside of Houston and they called me and cause I had to get new paperwork in and they called me and they were like, well, if you're not back in Houston within the next two hours to show your show, your social security card and your driver's license to validate your employment, since we were getting purchased, they're like, we're going to have to unfortunately terminate your employment Whoa. because of a mistake. I know. Crazy, right? And I had been working with my company for two years previously. Um, it was a mistake that my manager had made. And I think in that moment, I was just like, one, I was horrified. Yeah. I remember calling my husband and I called my parents just sobbing. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I remember in that moment, I called my husband and I was like, that's it. Like, I have been wanting to get into creating a blog and doing content creation for so long. And I think this is just a sign that, you know, everything that I've really worked for, for a company that, you know, doesn't really right. care about it can easily be thrown out the door. Like, I think this is the time. If anything, it was the light bulb that went off that was like, you need to start investing in you. And honestly, it was the best thing that could have happened because I ended up starting my blog the next week um, and kind of just went from there and kind of just grew it from the ground up. Um, And as of September of 2020, I've been doing it full time, which is kind of crazy. Amazing. I've loved it ever since, you know, I I know you can relate. There's highs and lows within the (laughs) industry. Um, But honestly, it was the best risk and investment I could have ever made of myself. And sometimes those hard moments show you where you're really supposed to end up. So it out for the best. I love that you made that decision in two hours. You were like, okay, fine. If I'm not here in two hours, all right, bet. (laughs) I'm not coming. Yeah, that's (laughs) actually... 
<laughs> I know exactly. I was like, all right, like if y'all don't care, if y'all literally don't care about me, like I'm just gonna invest in me because <laughs> no one's gonna care yeah. more about me than you. Um, so I was like, whatever, this is the exactly. time to just invest in myself and I did it. I love that. I love that. And I think, you know, you taking that chance obviously changed the course of your entire career. So that's amazing that you, you know, kind of have the confidence to do that. And I'm sure at the time you were like, oh, shit, like, is this going to work out? Like, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you got to take those risks, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it's when you're first taking that risk, it's just kind of like, oh, shit, what did I do? But um, I don't know. There's always something beautiful on the other side of fear. And that's one decision that you just never regret is investing in yourself. Yep. Um, and so while there's a lot of parts that are scary about this industry on the other side of it, it's just, it's really awesome and really rad. Yeah. A hundred percent. So when you were actually getting started with this blog, you quit your job and you were like, I'm starting a blog. How did you know kind of like what your niche is or like who you were as a creator. I feel like this is kind of diving into these things of things that every creator goes through that are difficult to go through, you know, figuring out who you are as a creator, what is your purpose is probably the hardest part of everything that we do. So how did you get through that for your blog? And is it the same for your blog as kind of what you do now? Like how did that whole work thing work out for you? Yeah, well, I think it's really funny. And I, I want to know your opinion on it, too. I feel like niching down is the like hot topic in the industry. Mm-hmm. Influencer right now, it's like niche down, niche down, yeah. niche down. You hop on TikTok and some people are like, niche down. Some people are like, don't. Yeah. Um, for me, I feel like I have niched down a little bit, but not completely. I wanted my account to be an overarching, you know, lifestyle blog where you feel like you're hanging out with a friend yeah. on a date basis. It's very vlog style. Uh, But what really inspired me to start my account as well was I felt as though there weren't a lot of, especially at that time, there weren't a ton of people that looked like me in the industry. And sometimes when you feel like there isn't a space or there's not a lot of people that look like you, sometimes you have to be willing to create that space yourself and kind of figure it out as you go. And from when I started my blog, man, four years ago to where we're at now, it's definitely evolved. There's parts of it that are still the same. Like I still, you know, if you don't know, I'm 410. So I'm definitely on the petite side. So I still share, you know, fashion that's related to petite fashion. I still share colorful stuff. I still share lifestyle stuff. So it has evolved. Um, I wouldn't say it's completely niche down, but it's worked for my audience. And I think it's kind of created a healthy community for me because from what I've seen from my audience as well, um, they like getting both fashion and the lifestyle side of things well. So it's kind of evolved to what it needs to be. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think you make a great point of like, it's just so difficult to like niche down. First of all, where did this term niche down even come from? Like, what does that? Okay. I feel like I have a whole rant. I could go on about that. I'm not going to go there. But um, the idea of niching down is so weird because like we're humans and we love so many different things. We're passionate about so many different things. How are we supposed to pick two topics and only talk about those two topics. It's impossible, you know? So like I try and have my students, like when we're trying to figure this out, because I think you do have to have like specific things that you talk about that people are going to like, 
come back for or even just specific like identifying factors like for you that could definitely be color you know vibrancy positivity those are all things that your audience comes to you for that doesn't mean you can't talk about business or fashion or whatever like you just kind of can intertwine all of those topics that you love into your color and your you know positivity and things like that so I feel like it almost comes down to more not necessarily like what is my niche what is the one word that describes me but like more of what is my mission you know what is my purpose here and I'm sure you have a very specific mission about you know like a purpose behind your page exactly and I think that's the core of it too is that Again, there's accounts that I go to that are extremely niche down that I'm like, I know I can go to this person for this exact thing. But I feel like at the core of all of my content, you will find the foundation of either color, joy, inspiration. Um, But it kind of branches off into different niches that or different categories or subcategories that I have always shared and I love to share and my audience can count on me to share as well. Exactly. Like for anyone listening who's like, I don't know what my niche is. I don't have a niche. I don't think you necessarily need one. I think you just need to, like Jordan said, have this foundation of why you're doing it. And your content, I feel like almost organically just kind of falls into that, you know, whether it's one of your primary content pillars, kind of secondary content pillar, whatever it is, I think they all come back to that foundation or that mission of like why you're there creating content for people. And that's good enough. Like it doesn't have to be more than that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I think sometimes it's like, if the wheel's not broken or like, I don't know what that's saying. If it ain't broke, don't don't fix it. Exactly. (laughs) at, At the end of the day, I think everyone has their own unique it factor and sometimes you just yeah. have to tap into that and the rest of it it will fall into place sometimes it takes a little bit of trial and error yes but it will fall into place if you're staying true to your core and the foundation of what your purpose and your mission is of your page 100 percent, 100 percent. so what would you say to those people who are like okay i kind of understand what i want to post about like i've got a mission going on here and stuff but I don't know what to post. Like, I don't have any ideas or like they're going to sit down and plan content and they're just like, I literally don't know what to post. I think it happens to all of us. But like, what do you do when you're in those moments? Yeah, I feel like we all have been in those positions where you're just kind of in a rut where you're like, okay, so what do I do next? Someone tell me what to do with my hands. (laughs) Yeah. But at the end of the day, for I, I think the thing that is easiest to go back to is the basics of just creating pillars for yourself for content that you can lean on. So if you're not sure, go back to your content pillars. If you're not sure what a content pillar is, it's pretty much the categories of what you are there to do to serve for your community. Um, So if you are a, let's say a fashion content creator, because that's what I'm familiar with, you know, are you sharing content that let's say it's affordable fashion or you're sharing stuff that is new trends, you're sharing how to style certain body types, those are main categories. So if you're kind of confused as to like, what should I do next? Just lean on those pillars and that'll kind of help guide you on what you should do next. Sometimes less is more. We don't always need to have, you know, I know, especially with video content being king right now, and you see a lot of really cool transitions and different like video topics. That's really cool. But sometimes less is more in those situations. Your audience just wants a way for you to provide value in the way you've already been showing up as well too. 
Right, exactly. It doesn't have to be that complicated. <laughs> like, it yeah. doesn't, every post does not need to be your best post, your most groundbreaking information in the whole world. Like, it literally just needs to be something that's enjoyable for people or people feel related to or holds some sort of value for people. I know for me, like, whenever I'm in this situation, typically I look at things that are, like, consistently happening. So, like, I'll look at trends. I mean, trends are a great thing. Like, if you don't know what to post, go find a trend. Find a way to relate it back to your niche and, like, boom, done. It's That's easy. Exactly. And trends are great for that. Um, I also, like, kind of will look at news and stuff, you know? So, like, is there anything within your content pillars or, like, within the categories that you typically talk about that's like big and happening, like pop culture, news, um, or even like go to Pinterest and, and type in whatever your content pillars are and just see what kind of stuff comes up. Something will spark your creativity. But I think it's just like taking the time to look around you, whether that's on the internet or even just like actually going somewhere, like go to the mall if you're a fashion blogger. I know it sounds dumb, but like you'll find something there that's going to inspire you. I think it's exactly. getting out of your typical habitat, you know, and changing things up. Well, something that's really easy to lean on as well are holidays and seasons. Yes. I mean, that's something, one, what's nice about that content is sometimes it's reusable throughout the year. So you could go and pick up that content and just repost it for the years to come. Yes. But it's relatable. It's something that your audience can relate to now in the moment. So um, sometimes it does take a moment for you to sit down and be creative. I think that's something that this is a job where you are unique in your creativity. And sometimes right. it does take a little bit of brainstorming. So like you said, going to Pinterest and maybe like pinning some things that inspire you and putting your own twist to it um, and seeing, you know, maybe if your audience responds to that or yes. how you felt about that. Um, sometimes, again, it takes a little bit of trial and error of figuring that out, but there's a lot of stuff around you. Sometimes you just have to seek it out and see how is this speaking to me? Yeah. And that research that you do is part of this job. Like, I don't think anyone doesn't consume content that inspires them to create content. Like, I know that there are so many things on our to-do list as creators, but like, doing research for new content ideas is literally part of the job. So like, you have to be able to, I think, make time to do that. Or else again, you're gonna continuously get into those ruts, where you're like, I don't, I don't have anything to talk about, everything feels boring. Like, you know, that's part of the job that I think you need to carve out time to, to dedicate to. And I think the other interesting topic too, sometimes as content creators that we fall into, you know, this trap of is like, what do I even talk about? Or yes. like, are, you know, are people even listening to what I'm talking about? Why do people care? Yep. I feel like sometimes we fall into that trap of like, oh, I'm going to create this, but no one's going to like it. No one's going to see it. The Instagram algorithm isn't going to show it. Yeah. And I think sometimes it does take a second for us to get out of that rut as well. Um, it's definitely a very self, you have to be your biggest cheerleader in this job. Oh yeah, too. you do. For sure. And that, that almost kind of brings us to another topic of like imposter syndrome. I think literally I've talked about this on this podcast a thousand times because I think it's so important to like drill it into people's minds that everyone goes through it. Like, I do not care how many followers you have. I don't care how long you've been doing this, how incredible of a creator you are. There are absolutely days 
where every single creator feels it. So like, do you have kind of things that you typically do or, or tell yourself when you are kind of feeling that imposter syndrome? Like everyone is growing faster than me. No one cares what I have to say. Like, yeah. So, you know, first and foremost, I have also like struggled with imposter syndrome. Oh, there yeah. are days where I look up and I'm like, why am I even doing this? Like yeah. I suck at this job. Like, you know, th- everyone's like growing so much more quickly. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to pour my heart out and it's just not going anywhere. And um, there are moments where I feel like we're all our toughest critics and I have to sit down and remind myself that no one's going to believe in me if I don't believe in myself. So sometimes I just let myself have the pity party for a moment, get it out of my system. And I'm going to have to, and then I have to look at myself and say, no one's going to do this for you. So you have to do it for yourself. And then I look back and I'm like, Jordan, you're saying no one's showing up and no one likes your content and no one's here, but yet you've built a community that shows up for you. You have people that show up for you every single day, even if it's a different, even if it's a different varying amount of people or like, let's say the algorithm is out against you that day. Um, there are still people that are actively seeking out your content. And I have to stop and remind myself that those people are here for the mission of the Your Pal Jordan page, which is positivity, joy, vibrancy, um, you know, and I at least owe it to them. And sometimes I have to really break it down to be like, Jordan, just show up for the one. And to me, I think that's what really makes a difference for me is showing up for that one person. Um, Because at the end of the day, I think that's what the heart of social media is about is making an impact on our community. And even if it is just one person, that's one life that's changed. Um, And so I think, I think that's kind of what's interesting about our jobs is that there's that gray line between it's a business as well as the social, emotional, mental, spiritual impact that our content has on people. And sometimes that gray line can get blurry a little bit. And I think sometimes a beautiful blend is kind of like a blend of both. Um, So sometimes I have to get out of business mindset, Jordan, of like, you know, I could be doing this better or... Like someone's excelling more than me and stop comparing myself to what other people are doing to remind myself there are a community of people that are here for me. Um, and I still yeah. need to show up to them as well too. And that kind of reignites and refuels that, you know, mission yeah. as well. But yeah. something that also just last, sorry, I'm like super chatty. Kathy. <laughs> it's fine, girl. This is what we're here for. <laughs> but something too that usually really helps me when I am feeling down is I will reach out to my community just to ask, what type of content have you really been enjoying lately? Or, you know, why do you show up each day? Or like, why do you come to my page? Or yeah. what? led you to click follow in the first place what do you and sometimes that's just a reminder of what people are enjoying and what they see and why they're there and sometimes that's a nice just little reminder of like okay yeah we got this back to the mission let's go yeah a hundred percent I literally as you were talking I was writing things down because I had so many things that I absolutely agreed on like first of all this idea of like tapping back into those people that are there to support you and like are your kind of like a team almost like the people that are just always there they're awesome like you can really count on them 
anytime I get a screenshot or like anytime I get a message from any of those people that are like, oh my gosh, listen to your podcast. I absolutely love it. Oh my gosh, love this post. They went and bought this and it's like my new favorite product ever. Anytime I get a message like that from people, I literally screenshot it and I have a folder of just like positive messages. And anytime I'm having a bad day, like a really bad day where I'm like, oh my God, I suck. I quit. I will literally go back and look at that. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like this is a lot of people that like see the value in what I'm doing. And like just the fact that they had, they took the time to write this message and actually tell me that I'm doing something for their lives. Like that means a lot. That really does show that there are people out there who care about what you have to say, even though sometimes the numbers don't make you feel that way. And with (laughs) numbers, I feel like it just like you almost get too deep into business mode where you were talking about like you have to kind of like clock out of business mode and get back into personal mode of like, okay, you know, I'm here to be social. Like I am building this community. It's not always about the numbers. It's such an important positive mindset to get into because like if you become so robotic that you are only paying attention to numbers and you're like didn't get enough comments today gotta go comment on some people's photos so I can get more comments like that is no one's doing that anymore I don't want people to do that anymore if they are you know like there was a time a few years ago please stop (laughs) stop whatever you're doing and and just change your mindset immediately but like I remember a couple years ago probably before the pandemic that was literally how Instagram worked. It's like, if you wanted comments, you literally had to go comment on people's photos to get them to comment back. And like, I think it, we're at a point after the pandemic where like, we value human connection so much more. And so like the idea of this just like really inauthentic surface level conversations that you're having with people to get comments and to get more likes and stuff like it's not worth it anymore. Like it's not worth having a few more comments and a few more likes so that you can say it when you really don't have connections with those people. Like exactly. Like your audience can see through it. It's a waste of time. Brands can literally the amount of times that a brand has reached out and they're like, we like seeing the engagement, like in the conversations you have, like that's important. Like, yeah, it's so valuable. Yeah. At the end of the day, social media is not the way it used to be. People are truly seeking genuine connection and the way that you're able to bring a genuine connection is showing up as you. Exactly. And going along with this whole idea of like being more genuine on social media. Also, let's remind ourselves, this is social media. The point is to actually be social, not just to like, (laughs) you know, again, have these surface level comments and things like that. But I think it's so important when I am feeling this kind of imposter syndrome to talk about it. And I know that not everyone is uh, like comfortable doing this and that's fine if you're not. But for me, it really helps. If I'm having a bad day, I will like straight up tell people, guys, I'm just not feeling it today. Like it's it's just one of those days where it's, it's hard being a business owner and I don't feel valued and I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. Like, and I have those conversations, people will like, come to you and say like I feel the same way and and you look at those people and you're just like why would they feel that way they're like my favorite person ever they create the best content like you kind of get into this first of all relatability with other people who feel the same way but also like it puts it into perspective when people you think are quote-unquote perfect also feel the same way you do and you're like okay so it's really not that bad then like if they feel it then like, I'm cool too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, 
it humanizes social media and it takes us from being we are business owners and there are aspects to this business that are you know at the end of the day you know you have to be mindful about of course but being a human is what (laughs) just being normal and sharing things you know highs and lows everyone has different business models but you know in a similar like in a similar perspective too, like I'm someone that I'll share both highs and lows. I'm a pretty positive person, but not every day sunshine and rainbows. And people want to see, people want to know, people just want to know who you are because when they know who you are, they show up for you. Yeah. It's like when you think about it with like actual human connections you have in real life, like, you know, my best friend and I, do I only tell her the good days? Like, no, she hears all of the stupid shit that I go through too. Like, she hears all the bad stuff. She hears me complain. Like, that's the connection I feel like you should have with your followers where, like, you just, like, you're friends. It doesn't, like, it almost gets, like, so overcomplicated. You're supposed to just make friends. Like, that's as simple as it is. And that kind of goes along with another point that I wanted to talk about with kind of the idea of building a community. I hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, like my engagement is so low. Like I'm having such a hard time getting better engagement. Like, are there moments, (laughs) dumb question, are there moments where your engagement is low? Because I'm sure the answer is yes, because it is for everyone. (laughs) But what do you do in those times when your engagement is low? Like, do you have actual kind of like actionable steps that you take to try and boost them? Like, what do you do internally? Yeah, I mean, I think we've all been victimized by low engagement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It takes a shot to your pride for a second. Um, <laughs> you know, but it is what it is. And I think now we're in a, a weird, I wouldn't say weird, but it's an interesting phase of social media where engagement kind of is a little all over the place with yeah. the introduction of reels and how frequently they're, you know, kind of at, sometimes you can have a reel that starts off with really low engagement and then it blows up. Right. It's a multitude of different things. But when I'm noticing I'm having low engagement, um, instead of looking at, you know, the algorithm, I take a look at me and I try to see, you know, is this a post or is this something that's more so for me or is it really for my audience and something for to them for them to enjoy. Right. Is it something about the imagery? Is it something that they didn't connect with? I think really taking time to diagnose maybe what was off about that post versus taking time to actually do an audit on content that does really well. So what was about this post that my audience really liked? Was there something that, you know, had that had a bunch of saves to it? Kind of doing a side-by-side analysis for me is the best way for me to figure out, okay, Jordan, this is what's going on with this post. Let's try something a little bit different, more so like this type of content that your audience really resonates with. And that's kind of a way to kind of put me back on my mission because at the end of the day, the content that we're creating, while we are the face of it, it's for our community. So if I'm starting to steer off that path, it's always about just kind of doing an audit, seeing what's going on and trying to get that content back on that path. And sometimes... Another thing I do too, just to be like, you know, upfront as well. Sometimes I just go ahead, if I'm posting something, I'll go ahead and just thank my audience for engaging with the content in the first place. Um, kind of trying to like lead people into yeah. certain just because it's a free way to support your, your content creator, right? Um, I'm not begging you or holding you, like handcuffing you to buy <laughs> certain things, but if you're showing up to my page every single day, like, 
you know, you. you clearly like my content. So yeah. engaging and supporting it. Thank you so much because that's a way that shows me that you like right. this type of stuff and to keep doing it. So sometimes just educating my audience or leading them towards certain actions will also help with engagement as well. Yeah, those are all great points. And I think one interesting kind of perspective like as creators like you said you know we're people so it's easy for us to look at a post that didn't go well and be like we suck oh my god I suck you know like that's your first thought that's your first thought is like this I suck this post suck I did I did horrible yeah like like, I'm quitting social media literally how many times have we all had that thought a hundred times but think about it in like you know, you're a business. If you were a giant marketing agency, like, and you had an ad that went live and something went wrong, it didn't perform as well as you thought it would, your first thought would not be, oh my God, I suck. You know, your first thought would be, okay, well, our audience didn't really like, you know, it wasn't uh, translated to them the way we wanted it to. Like, what are we going to change next time? Like you said, it's a learning experience. It's not like you have to stop, first of all, blaming it immediately on yourself sucking. That's not the case. There are so many factors that could go into why it didn't perform well. And like you said, there are so many things that you can look at to say like, okay, what can I change next time? So you have to do that trial and error and kind of, again, look at the stats. Like you said, do that side by side. Um, But it's also important to like remember now compared to a few years ago, again, with the introduction of Reels after COVID, after the, you know, TikTok coming on and being as big as it is, people are using the app differently. You know, like we overall have less interaction on Instagram because there's, first of all, less people using Instagram as frequently as they were before TikTok. You know, other things like, you know, time of year. It's getting to be really nice out where I live. I know I'm spending less time on my phone because I'm out doing nice things in the sun. You know, like you have to think about the external factors as well. Because those play a big part. And also with reels, think about how you use reels. Like my reels always get less interaction in terms of likes and comments and things like that. Unless obviously the views go crazy or whatever. But for my typical reel, I will get less comments and likes on that than I would a post. And I think about it in the way of how people are using the reels tab. Like you don't typically stop and comment and like something unless it really speaks to you you know, versus just you're watching, you know, you're just clicking through, swiping up, swiping up, watching video after video. So people are using the app differently. Less people are using the app different times of year with different introductions of different apps. So there are just a lot of external factors too that I think we have to consider instead of A, just blaming ourselves, but also blaming the algorithm because I think that's an easy out. And every time someone says the algorithm hates me, Trust me, I get it. There are days where I feel the same thing. But if you didn't do that self-audit first before you said that, I can't help you. I can't help you. (laughs) Exactly. And something that I try to remind myself, too, is that our generation is kind of pioneering social media as well. So there's going to be a lot of changes, even from starting this I even remember being back on YouTube in 2014 and restarting my blog back in 2018. So much has changed with social media. Oh, yeah. And so that is part of this job as well is you have to adapt with it. And sometimes things may work while you're changing with it. Sometimes things might not might not work, but 
wouldn't life be pretty boring if we like got it right every single time? I mean, it would be That's easier. That's a really I'm good point, wrong. honestly. That's a good <laughs> point, though. It would be kind of boring. You do the same thing. It performs the same. You have the same people. Okay, great. Like, there's no... Like, where's the personal growth yeah. there? So, it sucks mm-hmm. sometimes to be like, my stuff's not doing good. But <laughs> at the end of the day, like, if you're not growing then what are we doing? Right. I mean, granted growth looks different for every single person, but you know, at the end of the day, we're going to have highs and lows and it's about navigating it and getting, pulling yourself up regardless and showing up to do it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Also to kind of move on from engagement and talk a little bit about actual like growth on the social platforms. That's another thing that I think a lot of creators go through is just like, it's so hard to grow. You hear this from a lot of people, I'm sure. So what do you tell those people that say, oh, Jordan, I'm just having such a hard time growing? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you too. So I just transparently, mm-hmm. like, yep. it is, I, I'm just gonna be, I'm a very direct person. So I'm just gonna say what it, like, what I've seen and kind of my research behind things. It has been, or what I've noticed, it, it is easier to grow when you niche down. And I will yes. say that. Um you know, it, that it is what it is. But at the end of the day, if I feel like I'm still providing value in a way, like I'm not going to be forced into a certain niche if I don't yeah. feel like it. Right. But in, in re- terms of growth, I feel like there's a few different ways you can look at it. When I'm not growing numerically the way I want to, and at the end of the day, like it is, I'm just going to call it what it is. Growth is important to a certain extent, like yeah. you want your business to grow. That's a sign of a healthy business, but is your business growing in a different way as well? Like if I'm not growing or seeing the growth that I want on, let's say Instagram, is there another area where I can grow as well? Maybe I am investing more time in TikTok or I'm investing more time into Pinterest or, you know, I am setting up a standard operating procedure where I am able to push out you know, more valuable content for my audience. Am I growing? And I know affiliates and other side, like right. I'm growing there. So while I know at the end of the day, it's, I want my account to grow. I want my account to grow. I want my account to grow. For me, I'm trying to focus on, you know, my account might not be growing at the pace that I want it to be, but is my account healthy? Yeah. And is my account diverse? There are different areas of growth that we can focus on and not be so stuck in the numbers um, that you're still able to provide value for both your community as well as potential brand partners as well. Yeah, 100%. And like, I think it's important to kind of really like make that a big point of just like growth is not measured simply by your follower account. Like, Let that get drilled into your head, everyone who's listening, because it does not have to be my business sucks if I'm not growing X amount of followers every month. Like, first of all, a lot of brands are looking at follower count a lot less. I think it definitely still holds some weight, but there are a lot of other things that they're looking at that are just as important, if not more important. So don't get caught up on that. I'll say again, transparently for me, since 2020, I have been in the same 1,000 to 2,000 range of going up and down and up and down and up and down. Honestly, though, my business makes more money than it's ever made. I'm making more money than I've ever made in partnerships. And my follower count 
has literally just been going up and down around the same area for the last two years, year and a half. I'm in the exact same boat with you. I think I've been kind of staggering within the past year, but over the past year, I've doubled my medical sales salary and bonuses in this business. So while again, you want growth, I know that is something that, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like that's something that I think- Of course we we want it. We want it. Like the more people that see your eye, just have their eyes on your content, the better- but that is not the end all to make a substantial living as well and to make an impact on lives too. So yep, exactly, exactly. All be all. I think the issue like of where this comes from is just the comparison of, of everyone looking at people, especially on TikTok, who you look at their account one day, they've got a thousand followers. Next day, they've got 200,000. You know, and that happens. I mean, again, especially on TikTok, happens a lot. So I think a lot of creators see that and they're like, oh, why is that not happening to me? Like if she can grow that much in one day, why can't I? First of all, I think virality like that is like cool and everything. And it's awesome to say, like, it sounds really good. But I think there's a lot that comes with that. That's not always great. And again, like this person might have 200,000 followers, but like, are they making any more money right now? Are their followers actually engaged? Can they still handle everything that's coming into them? Like, there's a lot of stuff that I think people don't think about when it comes to growth that could actually make it a lot harder to run your business. Like, I'm honestly fine with slow and steady growth because I'm able to actually connect with a lot of the people that are coming into my page and that makes my connections with them so much stronger. So they actually want to like come hang out a lot more. So I'm re- I'm a fan of the slow and steady thing. Not to say I don't want to grow, but like I don't want to go viral. I'm cool if I don't. Honestly, and I think with the addition of TikTok, there is a unnecessary pressure on us yeah. creators to go viral. And that is not always the case needed. Um, for me, especially if I'm talking to a potential partner, I love my close-knit community. Again, I would love for it to continue to grow, um, you know, and hope to see it grow. But I'm able to go to brand partners and say, I know my community. I know they would like X, Y, and Z. I know they would like this content. I know this performs well. I can go in with data, facts, and good knowledge that my brand partners are like, wow, this girl really knows what she's talking about and knows who she's serving. And sometimes... I know when to turn down an opportunity that's not a good fit and it presents another opportunity in the future that is a good fit as well. So again, going viral, cool. I I applaud people that have been able to do it and people that have been able to sustain it, but there is nothing wrong with slow and steady. Um, And I think it's easier to keep a healthy, maintainable, sustainable community that way too. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Talking a little bit more about monetization, because I know that with all of this kind of like growth and engagement and stuff, like we want to grow so we can, you know, have this bigger community, but also so we can present different rates to different brands, you know, like the more followers we have, the better engagement we have, typically, the more we're able to charge for posts. So when it comes to creators who are kind of struggling with, 
uh, monetization. Um, you know, like, oh, I'm having a hard time getting brands to pay me my rates. I'm getting hard. I'm having a hard time having a brand even pay me at all. Brands only want to gift me stuff. Like in these situations, what kind of advice do you typically give people to get through that? Yeah. So I guess this advice is kind of twofold because starting off, um, sometimes brands do want to see that you have a portfolio of professionalism of working with other brand partners. And sometimes it's like, I remember when I was first applying for jobs where they're like, we want two years experience, but you're like, I don't, I'm out of college. I don't have any experience. (laughs) Um, so sometimes you do have to build that experience as well, but sometimes, you know, backstory for me as well too. I think I have taken certain brand deals and I've known I either need to up my rate from here or I just got shortchanged and it teaches you a lesson to never do that again. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that's one of those trial and error type things too, where you're just like, I know my time is worth more than I charged here. Um, so that's one thing that you might have to kind of go through there as well. Um, the other thing too, which it's not always easy to say, and sometimes it's a lot easier said than done is getting comfortable. I think I saw it phrased beautifully, getting comfortable, comfortable with saying no as a complete sentence. Granted, you can explain more, but no is a statement just in itself because if a brand's not willing to pay your rate, I know sometimes it's hard to be like, well, I want to negotiate or granted, I do recommend negotiating, but, um, To a point. <laughs> if a brand, to a point, right? To a point where you're comfortable with it. But yeah. um, if a brand says no, sometimes you have to be okay with saying no as well because it's a two-way street. If you're taking on work that either takes advantage of your work or it takes you know too much time and not the appropriate compensation for it, how well are you really going to be doing that job anyway? That's my mindset. Like yep. when I'm working with a brand partner who's met me at my rate, aren't you just so excited to create that content and your creativity is flowing? Like your best work. Yeah. That is like Mm -hmm. chef's kiss right there. But when you're working on a project where you know you're being underpaid on it, it already puts kind of like a stink into the project as well. And I hate that because it's not doing me, it's doing me a disservice. It's doing the brand a disservice and it's doing my audience a disservice. So at the end of the day, Again, easier said than done to say no at times, but it pays off in the long run for you to say no to opportunities that just aren't a good fit. And sometimes those brands too, like if they really want to work with you, they will find a way to make it happen. Literally, 100%. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, "Mm, sorry, not going to work out. And then they come back a couple days later and they're like, hey, we talked to our manager and guess what? We (laughs) miraculously found a budget. Literally, (laughs) like, where did you find it? Was it hiding in your couch cushions? Like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Did it just fall out of the sky? Literally. (laughs) Exactly. But I will say, like, I can't even tell you how many times, especially when I was just getting into monetizing, that I took on brand deals that were paying me not even close to enough money that I just like every moment that I was shooting that campaign, I was like, why did I do this? Why did I do this? Why did I do this? And it's always the ones that are like that, that end up being the most work and the most like annoying shoot ever. And like the most annoying to edit. And you literally the 
whole time you're just like, I'm never going to do that again. Exactly. <laughs> or at least literally, that's been mine. Experience. Literally the entire lifespan of that collaboration, you're just kind of like, why did I, I hate do this? Why did I do this? Why did I do this? And then I'm like, wait a second. No one's making you do this, but you. Like, literally. you are your own boss. So stop <laughs> taking on work that you're not excited about or work that is not appropriately compensated yeah. for your time and effort. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and and you think about any other job out there, like with your medical sales, you know, job that you used to have, like, would you have been like, sure, I'll do it for 15,000 a year? Like, what do you can't even pay nearly your mortgage with that? You know, like, but what's the difference between that and a creator saying, sure, I'll do $500 worth of work for $100? Like, but no one looks at it that way. Like, no. and it's it's so hard for new creators to see their value. It breaks my heart. But I was in the same in the same boat before. That's just like when you're new, you don't want to say no to opportunities because you're just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, someone wants to talk to me. Someone wants to pay me fifty dollars. <laughs> like, this is amazing, you know. Like, but at the same time, like you have to take a step back away from that excitement and ask yourself, is all of the work I'm going to have to do worth $50? The answer is probably no. (laughs) And then at the end of the day, you're probably going to get taxed on this too. So that's my mindset as well. It's just that, you know, if it's, if I'm not excited about it to some capacity, it's just not a good fit. So Exactly. Exactly. I think the other thing too, to think about kind of last note on monetization, when people are like, oh, this brand wouldn't pay me. This brand (laughs) only wanted to give me gifted partnerships, whatever it is. Like, instead of being like, oh, that brand sucks, you know, because like everyone kind of like, when they're in that situation, I feel like you immediately like, oh, that brand was so rude. They wouldn't give you like, they kind of like think it's like a harsh uh, interaction, I guess. But I think you have to also as a business owner, put yourself in the mindset of this business. Like, it's probably not that you just suck again in general. Like, maybe you're not the right uh, demographic. Maybe you don't live in the right location. Maybe they're looking for someone with really colorful content and you post really, you know, like monochromatic content or like whatever it is. I mean, there could be a thousand different reasons. Maybe again, your rates are too high or whatever it is. You have to like look at all of the possibilities and understand that it's probably not because they hate you. It probably is because there's some sort of criteria you're not meeting. And I think it's another one of those moments where maybe you do have to do some self-reflection and look and say, is my content actually really good? Like, exactly. is it is it good enough that someone should pay me thousands of dollars for? Seriously, if you are a, in a, uh, you know, a marketing job, would you pay this person thousands of dollars to create this sort of imagery? Like, I mean, and that for me, I think that was my, that was my light bulb moment when I was yeah. like, Jordan, like you should probably invest in a camera. Granted, you can get yeah. along in the social media space without a nice camera. But for me, I was like, I would love for brands to continue to buy my content, mm-hmm. which that's another way to make money. Um, and they want content that's crisp and clear and high quality. So to do that, I need to start learning a little bit more about a camera. At the end of the day, it's 2022 brands have budgets for influencers. It's a part of marketing budgets. It is what it is. It's how do I set myself up as a partner to these brands to verify the worth that I know that I, I know my value. So how do I set myself up 
as a strategic partner, because it's not just about, I'm going to create an image and then post it and then we're done. Like there's a lot of other things that go into it and setting yourself up as a partner that you're like, I'm looking out for your best interest as well, as well as my audience's best interest. So we can marry these together and create something beautiful that will really help you stand out with potential partners as well for people to be like, okay, this person's a real, they are a real business professional they know their stuff i'm okay with sending them you know that high ticket value paycheck exactly preach let's end it on that note because i feel like that was that was just beautiful everyone should just go back 15 seconds and replay that a few times just to really drill it into your head i think that was beautiful (laughs) (laughs) so okay at the end of every episode i open the floor to my guests to ask me any one question so let's hear what yours is any one question. Ooh, does it have to be like social media related? Whatever you want. Okay, so if you weren't a content creator, what would you do for a full-time living? Hmm. Okay, or so what would be your dream job? Oh, I, I a tough question. It sounds so dumb, but I honestly like can't think of a job that I would love more than what I'm already doing cuz it just like it allows me all of the freedoms that I need. I get to be creative. I get to have a community. Like, I just, I love what I do. So it's hard to say that there's anything that would be better. But if I didn't do this, so I was a photographer before I was into content creation. So I think I would be, I would still be a photographer. Cause like, it's kind of all of the same things that we do here with just a little bit, you know, a few differences. Um, and I always love photography. I did boudoir photography specifically. And it was nice. the best thing ever because like every woman would walk in and just be like, oh my God, this is so awkward. Like I'm about to get half naked in front of, or fully naked in front of this girl. Like this is so weird. And by the end, they're just like running around naked. Like they literally love their life. They're like, I'm amazing. I'm just like... <laughs> This is amazing. (laughs) It was kind of weird to just see so many naked people in one day, but also just like so fulfilling to just see women like come out and be like on top of the world. So I loved that. That's probably. Yeah, that's awesome. It was a lot of fun. So I have all of your links and everything uh, right in the description for everyone. Um, You also have a coaching program, too. Do you want to give us the quick rundown? Yeah, so my friend Dre and I, her account is at Time of Dre. I don't know if I even listed my account as well, but it's you can find me at your pal Jordan. Jordan spelled with a Y too. Yes. Uh, so we created a uh, a course called Creator Camp, and it is a ten week course for anyone that is interested in getting into the creator space that may need a little bit of help navigating as well. Dre is taking on more so of the coaching side. That is her expertise. And then I'm coming in from the lifestyle um, side as well. Um, So you have two different perspectives kind of blending together to help create a happy blend of getting you to where you need to be. Um, So we are about to kick off our second round of Creator Camp. Um, I think I may have sent you a link, Kristen, but I'll send you another one as well, too. So if you are interested, um, we only have a few seats left to the course. So we would love to have you join. And um, if you do have any questions, you can always just shoot them my way on Instagram, too. Amazing. Yay. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. I hope every creator who's listening felt heard this conversation, but also got a lot of good tips on how to get through 
all of these struggles that we all go through. So thank you so much for being here, Jordan. Of course. Thanks, Kristen. It's been a blast and, you know, hope we get to chat again here soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope that you loved every minute. If you learned something new, drop us a review and let us know what you learned. If you hear something in this episode that you want to chat about more, definitely send me a message on Instagram at yoursocialmate or kboosk. See you next week.